Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Jenna Morton. And I'm Tosh Taylor. In my head, I was just like, don't screw up the name of this place. Don't screw up the name of this place. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Today we are talking with someone who really caught my attention when I was actually producing another podcast that she was the guest on and I was thrown away with all of the cool things that she's doing in Salisbury and in New Brunswick. So today we are going to introduce you to Catherine Spear. Catherine is the owner of Thermobric. <laughs> and you did it. <laughs> Catherine, how about you tell everybody what you own? Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you uh, again for having me here today on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Um, again, Catherine Spear, I am the owner of Thermobric. Clinic, New Brunswick. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yes. She really did practice that before I we did. started. I, I, did. I was here for it, I promise. That's okay. Everyone has a hard time with thermography. Yeah, I was like, thermography. I can get thermography. No, that's not the right word. That's fine. That's fine. So let's, okay, I'm going to tell you a little bit of why I've been fascinated by this. Um, because, well, we've talked about it all the time. We talk about women's health. And, and you really can do any health. It's not just women's health. But that's kind of what got you into this, right? So. Let's start with a little bit of what it is before we talk about why you decided to open these clinics. Absolutely, no problem. So thermography is not new, it's new to the Atlantic provinces. So I'm gonna give a little bit of history on thermography first then we'll get right, in, right into kind of what it does. So thermography has been around for 30 plus years in Europe, widely used there um, for a lot of women's health issues. Um, it's been in Canada for 22 plus years and in the US. But in Canada, it's the more the bigger centers like Vancouver and Ontario. It's been there for 20, 22 plus years. So thermography, what it is, is it's infrared imaging. And everyone says to me, what the heck is infrared yeah. imaging, right? <laughs> so we have the U.S. military to thank for that technology years ago because this is what the U.S. military uses as well too to detect bombs and heat sources, right? Okay. So when you think of infrared, you think of it's heat. It's detecting the heat patterns. So often similar to people who have infrared technology that go into homes and they're looking for the heat or the cold for mold and things of that nature as well. But this is the medical version of, of thermography. It, it's not just the nighttime goggles? It's not the nighttime, <laughs> no, 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 definitely not, definitely not. But basically what thermography does, is it's looking at the physiological aspect of the body. So it's a medical imaging tool, it is not a diagnostic tool, but it's looking at the heat sources that are created in the body. And where there is inflammation, there is heat. Where there is additional blood flow, going someplace that shouldn't, it shouldn't be going is additional blood flow, which it creates additional heat. So the body's, you know, the organ of the skin is the biggest, you know, the biggest organ that we have, right? And so it emits heat because the heat that's inside the body will always work itself out to the cold. So just like when you put a fire on, you have to open up the draft and the cold air comes down, the flames go up, right? So it's, it's the same uh, principle, but thermography with infrared imaging is looking at the heat patterns that are associated that are emitting from the body. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, when we do the examinations, it, there's a protocol that you have to follow. So my clinics are very chilly. <laughs> so we keep the temperature, you know, between 18 and 22 degrees. I, t I tend to keep it between 18 and 19 especially for some of us women who are in perimenopause or menopause stages and we're having hot flashes. Yeah. And so you come in and you're, it's, you have to cool down. So there's a series, and we'll get into that a little bit, but there's a series of very strict protocols that you have to follow in order to allow the body to have the image that we need that is giving you the best possible image of what's happening. Uh, yeah, I just, Tasha's just like, I want this, I want this, I want I this. Want, I do, like a million times over. I, I immediately after do, uh, producing that other podcast, I was like, mom, have you heard of this? And she's in Ontario. And she's like, did I not tell you about that? She, she and my oh. dad have both had it done. Oh, yeah. So I was like, well, 
I guess it's my turn then. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, what caused you to want to bring this to the Maritime Provinces? So I'm going to talk a little bit about, you know, what people perceive as their mess can be their messages. Okay. And I like to talk about the pain to passion story, right? Because that was my story. So I've been in the corporate business world for 19 plus years leading up to my mess. <laughs> and so traveled the world. So 75% of the time I traveled. So high stress job, you know, adrenals were getting taxed, et cetera, et cetera. You know, the, the typical lifestyle that we live and especially as women. Um, I had started not feeling very well. So I'm a very high energy person. I have been for as long as I can remember. Go, go, go. And then I started, you know, I was really getting tired and I just wasn't feeling optimal, like my best, no matter what I did, no matter how much sleep I got, which was very little because, of course, when you're traveling and you have kids and, and you know, life happens. Mm -hmm. uh, but as women, we always chalk it up to something else, right? Oh, it's, you know, I've been traveling. My dad had passed away, you know, the year before and we were dealing with that and moving my mom. And so there was lots of outside influence that I kept thinking, okay, it's just this, it's just this. Until I was on a business trip in Honduras and I woke up one morning at 4 a.m. and my left breast was on fire. But not the burning sensation that some of us experience, you know, during the month, but it was a burning that wouldn't go away. So if you've ever been burned by a curling iron on the side of your neck when you're curling mm. your hair, <laughs> I have been when yep. I was a teenager, oh, right? Yeah, I can yeah. feel that. Yeah. Yep. yep. Absolutely. Muscle so that was, the, that was the burning <laughs> sensation that I had shared with the doctor that was happening. Knowing that I also hadn't been feeling well, I'm very, very tired. Um, you know, by 10 a.m. I was on conference calls with, you know, VPs and I could barely carry a conversation, which wasn't my norm. Mm -hmm. So there started to be some really telltale signs. So of course, when I got home, I had my uh, mammogram, my ultrasound done, my blood work done. Blood work came back, everything was within normal range. Mammogram, ultrasound was fine, everything was fine, nothing to be concerned about. But as women, we're very intuitive and I knew that things were not fine. Um, I knew my body enough to know that this is not okay. Um, and I had a friend a year before that also diagnosed with breast cancer and I know we all have stories because breast cancer is so prevalent for people. So I started doing research because I'm a researcher and I found thermography. So I went for my thermography scan in Toronto and had the, the dental cranial thyroid, the breast also done, and it came back that it wasn't fine. Hmm. So again, I want to preface this by saying, you know, mammograms and ultrasounds, they do what they're designed to do. They're structural. Thermography does not replace mammography or ultrasound, okay, because they're completely two different exams. But what thermography does is it gives you a different picture of what's happening in the physiological aspect of the body, right? So the blood flow and the tissue and the heat that's happening because again, inflammation leads to disease. And where there's inflammation that's not healed, that's where it leads into the disease stage. So I'm, I'm looking at her when you say the word inflammation. Okay. She's just, just like this glowing <laughs> fire pit. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so yeah. we'll we'll get to see your <laughs> images. Like legit dumpster fire. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll I'll always you. inflamed. Yeah. Yeah. So so when I seen what was going on in the scans, and then I also found out that my thyroid was hypo, even though the blood work came back that everything was within normal range. So I came back, and of course, I have a wonderful family doctor, and I work with some incredible MDs that have helped me to understand as I'm bringing thermography here and talking to more people, kind of the, the differences between the two, but the two can mirror so well together. And so I found out that I had um, a hormonal influence happening in my breast tissue, I had a fibrodemia and I had fibrocystic breasts. 
So there was a whole storm going on in that <laughs> left breast, yeah. right? The right one was pretty good. The left one, not so much. So the left one was screaming at me to say, you need to start paying attention to your health and overall what's happening. And so when I came back and I talked to my doctor about the thyroid, of course, the hypothyroidism that showed up or the coolness in my thyroid, which leads to you know, a diagnosis of, of hypothyroidism, um, doctors can't help you until you're in disease stage because that's what they're trained in school, right? And it's no disrespect to them. This is just, this is what it is. This is how they're trained. It's disease management. So by the time you hit disease management, then it shows up in your blood work. So to me, that's too late because I wanted to get ahead of it because I was already feeling the symptoms, right? The tiredness, the brain fog, the itchy lower legs, the, you know, <laughs> you name it, that weight gain all of a sudden <laughs> that happened and it was like, where is this coming from? So, you know, I'll just move it forward. So long story short, I was able to see what was happening in my own body and then I was able to take proactive action. But what happened in that moment was the fact that I found my purpose. Mm -hmm. And I became so passionate about it that I came home and I talked to my recently newly married husband <laughs> by six months and said, I want to quit my very high paying corporate career. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I want to take this money that I have in my savings and my retirement and I want to open up this clinic and I want to bring it to Atlantic Canada because this has to happen. There's just way too much breast cancer. And not to say that thermography detects breast cancer because it does not. Right. The only way that you can detect breast cancer is through a needle biopsy, regardless of what test you have, right? But it can detect what's happening in the breast tissue, which then allows you a different viewpoint for you to be able to take action in a different way. So I got pretty passionate about it. And of course, the reason why I married him is because he's like-minded and, <laughs> and he's got a, a really good soul as well. And he said to me, he said, honey, he said, you've got to do what fuels your passion. Mm -hmm. And he said, if this is what you want to do, then this is what we're going to do. So we did. <laughs> so I gave my notice in November uh, 2020, worked around the clock from November to December and opened the clinic January 2020. Whoa. COVID hits, March. Yep. Great time. Great time. <laughs> but it was, it was also, you know, a very good learning experience for me as well, too. I was very surprised when I opened up the clinic in January 2020, how busy I was the very first week. I did not anticipate that at all. Um, and, you know, so then again, over the course of time, you learn more, you make more relationships with other practitioners. Um, and so you continue to evolution into, you know, thermography and what it can really do for people. So... During that time of COVID, I opened up my mobile clinic. So I made uh, relationships with people all across the Atlantic provinces and got ready for my mobile clinics to be able to take them. So I call them mobile. And just for the audience as well, it's not a white bus that I pull in with. <laughs> That's immediately where my mind or, went though. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Because there are like the mobile, right. like th there are mobile units there out is. there. Yeah. There is, yeah, but I don't have a mobile unit. So I, um, I, I partner with different, you know, naturopathic, homeopathic, or um, wellness centers, and so I bring the technology there. I have a space that's set up, and they have, you know, a room that's conducive to my protocols. And so I go into the communities and I offer this service instead of having to people having to travel right. to me. Right. Because at the end of the day, when you're facing a health issue or you think that there's something going on, the last thing you need is additional stress. We know what stress can cause. So part of my mission as well too in my business is that. I need to reduce whatever stress that may be caused, I don't want to be causing any additional, right? Because that's just not something that um, is conducive to wellness. Mm -hmm. 
So I, I started those and had a great partnership. So when COVID started to you know loosen up, I travel. I've been to Newfoundland. Um, I've got a location there in St. John's. I go twice a year. Um, Nova Scotia, it's all across the Maritime Provinces nice. I have clinics. So there's 12 to be exact, <laughs> including my clinic here in Salisbury that services you know the, the greater Moncton area with a, a clinic once a month in Moncton actually on Saturdays to help support people who are working during the week and can't you know get off because I also live that world too where it's very difficult to be able to do that. Um, so yeah, so that's that's kind of what brought me then you know to this stage here, and I'm just been working with a wonderful lady, um, Haley Bohan. I'll give her a shout out because oh. she's a. Yeah. Do you know Haley? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So I've been working with <laughs> Haley, and she's amazing, and so she's really helping me to understand and fine-tune kind of the passion and where we're going to bring it to next. So I'm pretty excited that we've got some big announcements coming um, soon. And, uh, you know, really just focusing on my niches. And, of course, we, uh, to your point, Tosh, what you said earlier, we do full body scans. Mm -hmm. So I should talk a little bit about that for mm -hmm. the audience as well. So we do full body scans um, from head to toe. The full body scan makes up four individual scans, which is your dental cranial thyroid, um, your upper body, lower body, which includes your spine and, you know, close-ups of the upper or the lower. We also do the breast. And then, of course, did I talk about the gentle cranial thyroid? I did, yes. <laughs> breast, lower body, upper body. And then, of course, full body. Um, full body is, is, great, is a great opportunity to see from a baseline perspective. So if you're looking at understanding what's happening in the entire body, it's a great baseline because then we get to see all the different parts because the body is not separate, right? So what's happening in one area of your body something else could be happening in a different area of the body. So just in my case, my left breast, but at the same time, I also had thyroid. So what impacts hormone influence? Well, your thyroid controls hormones, but so does your liver. And your gallbladder is also attached to that as well too. So, you, and gut health, right? So everything is all connected. So where you're having pain or symptoms in one area doesn't necessarily mean that that is the, the root cause area. Oftentimes, there's something else going in the body that's causing that as a secondary issue, not a primary issue. Um, so my my main focus, though, and I'll get back to this. I'm sorry because I could talk about this Please for hours on here. end. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, something has to change because our current paradigm, we've all been conditioned to respond when diagnosis, trauma. Or something like that happens and then we respond we don't give any thought to every morning when we wake up thank you my heart you beat it all night for me and I had nothing to do with it right thank you my intestines we just don't think that way we've been conditioned to react once it happens and my mission is to start helping people to understand about proactive understanding what's happening in, inside the body so then you can take proactive measures with joy and ease versus with pain and suffering and stress and worry and sickness because they're two very different avenues disease management versus prevention completely different avenues and from a breast cancer perspective this is where I'm really passionate <laughs> is that you know 84% of all breast cancers are hormonally driven so think about that right the amount of breast cancer that we have and New Brunswick is the number one if the Atlantic provinces for breast cancer Wow. Followed by Nova Scotia Holy. for breast cancer. And 84% of that, if you think, I mean, we'll extrapolate out what percentage that is for New Brunswick, but overall in Canada, 84% of the breast cancers are, have that hormone receptor positive. 
So, and most women between the ages of 50 and 60 are diagnosed with breast cancer. But what happens leading up to that? There's no prevention, right? So we talk a lot about uh, breast cancer, and rightly so, and we need to find a cure and, you know, all of those wonderful things. But what if we started talking to women about prevention? What if we started talking to women very early ages about how to take care of your breast? You know, there are so many things that are so important to that. The lymphatic system, when I talk to women about the lymphatic system, and they're blown away and they say, I had no idea. 80% of your lymphatic system happens on the left side of your body. And your lymphatic system, when it, can't deals, when it can't deal with toxins, the leftover toxins get sent to the breast tissue. Because to the body, the breast tissue is fatty, it's on the outside of the body, and the body doesn't consider it a vital organ. Right. Although we consider it vital, the body doesn't consider it vital. So it sends the toxins, right, to the breast tissue, and then... Because that makes the most sense yeah. to the body. Like the way you explain it, you're like, exactly. of course, that's where you'd say, yeah. where else yeah. are you going to put yeah. it? Where else is it going to go, right? Um, but the lymphatic system requires muscle engagement to move the lymphatics, right? So women, we walk around and we put our breasts in underwire bras, which then holds the breast very tight. The lymphatic flow can't happen and your breasts aren't moving, and your breasts have to move in order to move the lymphatic fluid, and in order to move that, continuously move it so that the toxins aren't setting and growing, right, mm -hmm. or expanding. And so most women don't realize that. Most women don't realize, because we don't openly talk about it as women, that most women, it's the left breast that is bigger than the right breast. I've had women say to me, oh my gosh, I'm not weird. <laughs> I, I didn't know this. I thought I was just designed weird and I had one breast bigger than the other I thought we just had, yeah, move. like one side <laughs> yeah. of everything <laughs> bigger than the other, right? Like hand, foot, I thought like there was... Yeah. 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 But when you think about the lymphatic system and how it travels on the left side of the body, 80% of it, right? Yeah. Of course. And so if you're going to have swelling, most often it happens on the left side of the body because again, it's the lymphatic system. My knee was my left side of the body. <laughs> oh, <laughs> there you go. It's all coming together. <laughs> yeah. so, so that's what I mean earlier when I said, right, that it's not a singular event that happens that causes you know, breast cancer or a dysfunction in the body. It's, there's always something else. It's, it's, that's not the primary. There's always something else that's, you know, that's happening there. So when you start to realize that and you start to put together those pieces, you go, hmm, so this exercise that I really hate doing, oh, now you have a new lease on life because it's like, well, I gotta get that lymphatic system going, right? <laughs> I gotta get my breasts moving. Um, but it gives you a little bit of a different um, attitude towards why. We always know that exercise is very good for you, but when you start to realize the why behind it, which is, I said on a, a Facebook Live just recently, I said, I feel like my three-year-old grandson, I'm constantly saying, okay, but why? <laughs> but why? So I'm like, I'm trying to go in a layer, yeah. a layer we deeper, all should be doing. right? Yeah. So you just want to go a bit deeper. And, and so there's things that can be done to start um, the education on a different paradigm. Mm -hmm. The current paradigm, you know, has, as I see it, is like, um, I forget the author who had stated it, but it made so much sense to me. And it's like watching people fall over a waterfall into the pool below. And you have a bunch of people at the bottom in that pool trying to save people and pull them out. But why isn't anybody going up to the top of the waterfall and finding out why they're falling in in the first place, right? So, um, so that's kind of my analogy as, as it relates to, okay, so 84% of all breast cancers are hormonally, you know, or hormone positive receptors. So, 
So what can we do differently? And there's a lot we can do differently. So my mission is to start educating women along with you know, using thermography to see if there's hormonal influence happening in the breast tissue to see from a physiological aspect what's going on. Is there heat coming from the nipple and the periolar region that is indicative of something else happening in the breast tissue? So you see between mammography, ultrasound, and thermography, having those as part of your breast health awareness, it gives you a completely different viewpoint to see an additional image. Mm-hmm. To get a full picture, of course, because mammography and ultrasound, they do what they're designed to do, and then thermography does what it's do- designed to do. But again, thermography is not diagnostic, right. but at the same time, it alerts you that something is going on that you can then get further testing done. You can work with your naturopath, your homeopath as well, too, to help course correct if there's some early stages of inflammation. Um, you know, breast, uh, you know, inflammatory breast disease, there is no test for that. With the exception of with thermography now, we can start to see if there's high levels of inflammation there, high levels of heat, which would then indicate, you know, maybe something else is happening. So we will always make sure that we send you, obviously, back to your your medical doctor to get further testing when we see a hot spot or when we see something that is not um, normal, right, on the thermography scans. So that leads me to my next question, actually, is do you find a lot of pushback from doctors, like, do they think you're whacked? (laughs) Like, really? Good question. I feel like I have a really great family doctor, but I almost feel like she'd be like, "Mm, I don't know about that. Yeah, Yeah. great question. And so I do get that question a lot. Um, So doctors have not been trained on thermography, so they don't understand it. And as I have, I will... Um, you know, go back to a couple of the medical doctors that I work with. They have been my my godsend, helping me to understand the puts and the takes. And you know, if I can quote them, um, won't name names, but I, I will definitely quote them. And they've said, you know, Catherine, we're not trained this in medical school. So when somebody comes in with a thermography scan, we don't understand it. We don't know what it's saying. We don't know how to help them. And again, if they're not in disease stage, I can't help them. Right. So what do I do with this, right? So oftentimes what we, you know, if we find something, it is we need you to make sure, especially women who haven't had a recent mammogram or an ultrasound or women who are nervous about having a mammogram or ultrasound, um, you know, when they see the scans, because I've got, you know, quite a few women who have never had a mammogram and they're in their early 50s, they get their scans back and they see that there were, there's some hot spots there. And the doctor that does the readings, he recommends when we see that, you must have structural testing done because we need to make sure that we rule out any pathology that's there through your doctor. So that's part of it. But let me share with you, so I do have some doctors though that are thrilled that thermography is also here because it gives their patients a different viewpoint, especially for women who um, have issues with having a a mammogram. So we have had some uh, be referred to us because women who faint, during mammograms, so they'll do ultrasound and thermography. We've had some um, doctors send us patients to get a thermography scan done that they're looking to see where there's areas of inflammation because they're getting ready to do a CAT scan, but they want to make sure that the area that they're scanning, because they don't want to waste the CAT scan because they're like gold, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. So they're looking at where is the, the higher levels of inflammation because maybe they need to do that. And that, was, um, that also came from a previous client of mine who had had cancer and was going for another CAT scan and the doctor wanted to make sure it didn't show up in a different area, 
right? Was there additional heat? And again, we can't determine if it's cancerous or whatever. We just don't. We just see where the inflammation and the heat is, which is then an indication that there's something else happening. Um, so yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I was just going to say, there is so much there is. that we're not going to be able to get through. All right. <laughs> Wait, because it we're is. getting the countdown. Yeah, we're getting the countdown. Because yeah. the most important thing for people to know yeah. is how to find you right. to learn all of this and if they want the service. So I want you to have a chance to tell Absolutely. everyone how to find yeah. you. Absolutely. <laughs> so it's Thermography Clinic NB. So if you uh, go out to Google and you type in Thermography Clinic NB, you'll find me, my website. On Facebook, it's Thermography Clinic NB. And at the same time on Instagram, it's um, Thermography underscore Clinic underscore NB. Um, but you can find me there. And you can also give me a call at 506-999-6302. I love having conversations with people and helping them understand what's happening. Um, and to answer any questions that they have as well too. So that's how you can find me. Um, and again, I'm across the Atlantic provinces. So if you're out there and you're listening and you got family members, just like Tosh, certainly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm here and available. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's fantastic. And I, I mean, if you want more information on it, if there's something that we didn't touch on today, reach out and ask your questions because I guarantee you you're gonna get an answer and probably an answer that you're gonna love to hear as well. So that's it. That's it. Thank you, ladies, for having Thank me. You. Thank you all Thank for listening so as well. Much. Thank you. You gonna wrap it up? I think that's it. All that's right. It. Bye. We don't have any more time. <laughs>